Does that mean it's uh, Leslie's icebreaker time? I think it's icebreaker time. All right. Now, do we want everybody to do, like, do we shuffle icebreakers every week? Or is this just Leslie's icebreaker corner? Uh, You know (laughs) what? (laughs) (laughs) Volunteerism. We love that. Oh, God. Thank you, Josh, for um, volunteering me. I love that. Yeah, I knew you would hate that. There you go. Welcome back to Catacomb Party. My name is... Welcome back to Catacomb Party. (laughs) All right, Leslie, hit us with that icebreaker. So for this week's icebreaker, I decided uh, we don't really know our characters that much. So describe yourself in character as your character would describe themselves. Who are you going to nominate to go first? I'll go first. (laughs) Okay. 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 Uh, I can go first since it's the first icebreaker. We'll we'll, we'll give it a shot here. Hello. uh, My name is Elanil Valen and uh, you probably know my family. They're very popular builders around here, the Valen family. I like to take long walks um, around Vesper, get, get a little look around. I, I, I like to kind of go lower in the city, but I, I don't want to be too, you know, seen. So it's, it's a little secret between me and you, okay? Um, nice. <laughs> I do feel like it's a secret. I'm like, I was like, I won't tell anybody. <laughs> okay, I won't tell anybody. Uh, wow. Yeah, I, I just really love to practice shooting my bow and arrow. <laughs> Does that describe that? I think they called archery. Archery? Okay. I have found a a very uh, deep love for archery. And uh, look, I found a really amazing mentor to help me do that. And uh, I love hearing her stories about the town and and like outside the town. And so I'm really excited to get out of here and see what's out there. See what's north, south, east, west. I really want to see it all. And I hope that. This is the group I can do that with. I'm so excited. I feel like it's uh, it's like a speed dating show where you're like going around the room, like, and there's yeah. like different parties that you're getting paired up with. It's like, exactly. I hope this is the group that I can go on adventures with, but you know, who knows? Dude, speed adventure party, like picking your adventure party at a speed date is how I'm going to start a campaign. One Three of these questions. Just- how many? <laughs> yeah. Hi, my name is Leo. I do not like long walks in Vesper. This is actually my first experience out of the church or whatever you want to call it. I greatly enjoy studying the history of the area and what this whole place was founded on because to a certain extent, it's part of who I am. With the aging of my only friend, I am sort of being forced into taking more of a of a direct role in the public relations side of the Church of the Second Wave. <laughs> you said and, uh, robot. <laughs> <laughs> it is equally exciting and terrifying, but overall I'm trying to keep an optimistic outlook on how the future will progress here from here. <laughs> the uh, future? Oh yeah. Let's, <laughs> well, oh. I wasn't talking about the organization, but let's push it to cross. <laughs> it, it, you just, you just hear a voice say like, are you right? <laughs> <laughs> Hi, I'm, I'm, um, I'm the, I'm the future. future. Um, this is my second time talking. Um, uh, I'm very excited to like try this out and figure out how to speak more regularly with people. Um, 
I, I really enjoy apples and heights. I really, I really like heights. Um, big apple guy, though. I got a couple of those in my pocket right now, and I'm, I'm ready to ready to munch whenever I get the opportunity. Big um, apple guy. Big apple guy. <laughs> real real hey, big, apple big apple Fruit guy. Fruit gets a big apple in this one. Hey, what's up? I'm the apple guy. <laughs> That's what they call bay in this world. Big yeah. apple energy. Yeah. I I mean, everybody pointed that one out. I've got to I've got to point out ready to munch. <laughs> what's up? People call me the apple guy. I'm ready to munch. <laughs> oh man. Uh, I'm a big fan of the Institute of the Future. Uh, been been here my entire life. Don't know anything else. Uh, very good at ringing bells. Uh, very excited to be speaking here today. Uh, when do I get off the soapbox? Do I just keep? Do I do I stop? Is there a point in which it just fades out? Just fading it out. Fading it out. I stop. Disappear. Do I? Everyone walks away. Hi, <laughs> <laughs> I'm Walker. At least that's what folks around here call me. And. Uh... I, I like to make my way up to the surface every now and then, have a cup of uh, slick with the local folk. I'm, I'm pretty well liked, if I do say so myself, I think, at least. I like me. I like me a whole lot. I'm happy to come up here and give other people the, the pleasure of meeting me. I definitely started to imagine the sound design being like a mockumentary, a very like uh, what we do in the shadows where you're like meeting each of these people, just a talking head interjected with adventure. <laughs> Slow zoom ins on someone like looking at the camera. Yep. I love that. <laughs> you cut away from the action in the middle of combat and uh, see now at this it's Walker point. with two sticks and says, so you see, we're not allowed to have weapons in the city. It's stupid. I know. But I knew that. And that's why I had my sticks. <laughs> Cuts over to so the future. Yeah, that guy's always talking about his sticks. I don't know. <laughs> and he's holding apples. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's great bonus content. Yeah. Point of view style wrap up of every episode. <laughs> yeah. <in> mockumentary style. <laughs> I'm in. You all watch in horror as a humanoid appears, scaling the ledge that looks out over the chasm between the north and the south divide. And an arm reaches up in a stranglehold and pulls in a member of the future standing directly next to you, Crossland. And the right hand is some sort of uh, aquamarine glass-like stone. And they have their other hand held aloft, shouting for everyone to hear, of the lies being told by the council. Their hand alights with raw energy and they reach down and send a shockwave pulsing through the body of this member of the future. And after convulsing for just a moment, you see their eyes go slack and kind of roll back into their head and their body slumps down to the ground and they turn directly toward you, Crossland, and pointing a finger says, you're next, one by one. You are all going to die for the lies you told and for the future of this community. And he reaches for you, and I need everyone to roll initiative. All right. 
Uh, Walker got a 19, 16 plus 3. Okay. Leslie. 12. We've got the future with a 15. Yep. 13 plus 2. Leo. One. <laughs> nice. You're you're gonna realize this is happening eventually. <laughs> <laughs> you're saying nobody rolled worse than I did. <laughs> you mean at the natural one plus zero? <laughs> All right. Walker, you're standing there with these sticks in your hands. I'll let you describe your situation, but you see this potential assassin, not sure yet if the member of the future they had strangled is dead or unconscious, but they definitely look charred and injured, and they are turning directly toward the next nearest member of the future, which is Crossland's character standing right in front of you. I'll say you're probably 20, 25 feet away, and there's definitely people kind of in front of you, so you'd have to kind of push your way to get to the front of the crowd. What would you like to do? So I think uh, Walker was kind of holding off to a degree until that fiery substance exploded into the hand and it seemed very obvious that this was going to go bad and kind of like within the gasps of the crowd, you would have heard a loud snap as uh, he uh, broke the broom he was holding in two, two pointy sticks. And he's going to rush forward and try and throw one of them, probably like trying to kind of scamper up on top of somebody in the crowd to get like a higher viewpoint and throw down kind of like a javelin. Mm -hmm. Whatever side didn't have the actual broom part on it. So it's just like a long pointy stick. Just trying to take this person out? Yeah, just trying to stop them before they can get to the next member of this group, so. Are you tactically targeting anything, like trying to hit him on the hand or just- If I could take him in like the shoulder, that'd be ideal. Yeah, got it. I'd like it if he lived have questions but yeah go ahead and roll a ranged attack so if you have uh so i don't have proficiency in improvised weapons so i won't get to add my proficiency bonus but i think for this would be dex i think that makes sense that's a good roll that's uh 19 plus 3 from my dex so a 22. all right with a 22 go ahead and uh roll a d4 do i add stuff or is it just a d4 let me take a look at your sheet real quick for improvised weapons Looks from what I'm looking at, like it just, it deals a D4 of damage. I think a D4 plus one makes sense. Yeah. D4 plus one. Cool. Then that's going to be a two. That's a two damage. Big two. Alrighty. And uh, you said there were people kind of in the way. I'll try and push through them and get close enough to take a second swing if I can. You jump up and kind of like grab on to the nearest person that looks like they have any kind of weight to them. Happens to be this automaton towering above the crowd, really. You gotta reach up and grabbing their hulking body, get kind of like a push off and you toss that down and you're able to kind of like land in the middle of this crowd and go ahead and make your second attack. All right, and this one will just be plus strength because I'm swinging at him physically, not throwing it. Not as good, that's a 10. A 10 is not gonna do it. These brooms are weighted terribly. (laughs) I'll tell you this, where do you try to hit him? Like when you land? Just kind of across the torso. You do that and you definitely make contact, but you notice that as the end of the broom hits, it's sort of absorbed and somewhat deflected by this energy, which is not only coming crackling off the palm, but seems to be kind of coursing over his body. There's like a like a thin veneer of like what looks kind of like arcane energy that is covering uh, his exterior and kind of helps deflect maybe the force of the blow a little bit. All right, next in the order is the future. Man, I'm, I'm really debating the option of trying to swipe this gem out of his hand. 
I think I'm just gonna hit him because I've got to be within reach because he's right there. So he's right there. Yeah. yeah, I'd say if not, you could take one step and be in melee range easily. Yeah, so I'm gonna I'm gonna approach him and I'm gonna hit him uh, on arm strike, of course. The monk way, uh, the being 18. That hits. Go ahead and right. roll damage. So one d4 plus two. And then paint us a little word picture. So as I see my brethren fall, as we see our brethren fall to the ground, we immediately turn and pivot and are considering options because this this is completely unexpected, taken aback, never been kind of in this situation, but have trained our entire life for this. So this is kind of this flare moment of like, I know exactly what to do. And I hit him as hard as I can in the chest to knock him backwards and hit him for five. This, as you mentioned, like, you know, you know exactly what to do, but you've never had to employ violence. Mm -hmm. So do you feel that this is more or less, this comes more or less naturally than speaking? This is definitely natural. Like this is okay. this is something that feels right. And there's there's no sound in it either because of the way that they the the future practice. Like there's no there's no word, there's no violence, there's no like puff of air or anything. It's just a silent motion to careen through him. And you see that anger in his eyes as he goes to attack again, but Elenil. Bonus action? Oh yes, correct. Bonus action. Yeah, absolutely. I'm gonna do my second unarmed strike here because I connected with the first one. So mm-hmm. we're gonna go again. Oh my god, a natural one. Okay, all right. Well, <laughs> Shut that part out. overconfident. <laughs> <laughs> Eleanor, we're gonna jump over to you. Um, what would you like to do? All right. So, do I have my bow on me? Probably not, right? I think it's unlikely. If you happen to have like smuggled any other weapon from the surface, I'll I'll allow that. If you think it's possible. I don't possible. think I would have. Like, oh, we're in an event, we're chilling. Definitely wouldn't be carrying a bow across your back. Yeah. Okay, so I see all this happening, and in my mind, I'm kind of more concerned about, like, everyone around me, like, their well-being. So I'm kind of like, holy shit, I don't think I've ever seen magic. No one here has ever seen anything like this, so the crowd is just losing their shit right now. They're terrified and shock and awe. Yeah, so I'm going to try to be like, okay, like, everybody, like, go this way, like try my best, even though I'm like a tiny person, like trying to like file people to get away as best as I can in these six seconds to like make sure this crazy person doesn't attack everybody. You're waving your little uh, pamphlet from the church of the second wave around. everybody. (laughs) (laughs) You're literally standing right next to this towering forged character. Yeah, maybe uh, looking to the forge to like, hey, maybe you can help (laughs) file people away. I don't know. Uh, but I think that's where my mind would be in this like panic situation. And then I would probably start heading towards the assassin. With what intent? Are you gonna just fisticuffs? How are you gonna approach this situation? I go to the bar a lot. So I guess I've been in like a situation probably before, but a real assassin, I don't think I've ever come across this situation. So I'm kind of in like a scared state. I will head towards the situation because I want to be that kind of person. and save the day, help adventurer person. But um, as of right now, I'm definitely trying to make sure everyone's away and then I will head towards the situation. I am going to give you a couple uh, rolls here. First is going to be a persuasion roll. Six. In the midst of this chaos, you're kind of shouting above the den for people to calm down and stand back so nobody gets hurt, and not a soul seems to listen to you, except maybe the person standing at your side, the towering uh, forged automaton. No one else seems to listen, so then you kind of take it upon yourself to march right into the fray. Give me a perception check. 18. 
you see something hanging from a nearby sign, like just to your right. In fact, if you kind of like climb onto the back of this forge character, you could reach it. It's a little arrow, like a wooden one that's carved and it's hanging like from a shingle, you know, like a sign that hangs out in front of a business, part of like their branding or whatever. And you can just like rip it off and make a makeshift arrow out of it. Sweet. Do I have something to shoot it with? (laughs) No. (laughs) I think of it this way, like even without a bow, you're somebody with a keen eye and and sharp senses. And so if this Triton character who just leapt into the fray can make use of a broomstick, maybe you're thinking I I might be able to do something with this. So get a little leg up, grab it, and then move into combat position. Yeah, definitely. I'll kind of run up and uh, go to the the forged being and sorry, is this okay? And I kind of hop on and yank it. We'll let you use the rest of your movement. And after doing that, you'll be standing about uh, 10 feet from the attacker. Next in the order is the assassin, who is going to... Don't forget, there were two other members of the future, so I don't know if you want to do anything with the other one. Um, You know, that's a really good uh, point. What's your initiative? Plus two. Okay. All right, so he is staring you down. Right? He's looking directly at you, kind of points a finger, and then as you punch him in the chest, counters and throws his hand back out, and you just see like this fiery lick of flame. And uh, let me tell you real quick, I did this a stupid way, hold on. Ooh. And uh, <laughs> given just how off-kiltered he is when he shoots his hand out, uh, that like ball of flame just kind of shoots right past your head and hits like the stone post, kind of like holding up the the ceiling from the walkway that you just came off of and just cracks into it and stone kind of splinters around uh, and it singes the stone a little bit. It kind of looks frustrated and confused. And you can also see that the glove that he has over his hand kind of like crackles and pulses a little bit. And it like, it sputters out for just a moment. Whatever energy is pulsing off of his hand seems to be coming like off of the glove and it sputters for just a moment and then licks up again. That is gonna end his turn. That's gonna bring us to Leo. Okay, do I see any small rocks or the like on the ground? (laughs) Give me a perception check. All right, Um, what is my perception? Four. Cool. You don't see any small rocks. All right. <laughs> that does entirely change my, <laughs> my plan, though. Um, so, yeah, I'm just going to I'm going to hope to use my metal fists and run up to the assailant. I will attempt to make an unarmed strike if I can reach them. Given your stature, you have no problem pushing through the crowd and stepping up to them. Uh, what does it look like when you move into attack? Go, Actually, go ahead and roll your, your unarmed strike first. Right. <laughs> Let's see how this goes first. Six. Um, <laughs> so what? what's your fighting style? Tragic. <laughs> I mean, it, it is just... <laughs> Bonk. Just trying to <laughs> <like> overhead. <laughs> Attempt overhead, to bonk. bonk him. Got it. Attempt so, to bonk. So you move in and maybe misjudge the height a little bit. You've never really been in a fight and you're a little bit taller than everybody else. So you reach out. Instead of bonking, you kind of like smash a rafter that kind of hangs out. So like, you know, there are stairs and little like parklets almost that like kind of hang off of the cliff face. And since the fight is going down right there on the edge, you kind of reach out and smash through like one of the wooden rafters. And so part of like an awning or a rooftop like falls down a little bit. Do you have a bonus action? 
Um, you do have your little friend too that's sitting on your shoulder. He can't do much. <laughs> Can I take a bonus action to really look closer and try to find some pebbles? What are your bonus actions? Let me take a look at your sheet real quick. Let's let's. So, I <laughs> I have magic stone. <laughs> So I can imbue uh, one to three pebbles with magic, and they'll deal 1d6 plus two damage by me or anybody else who throws it. Okay, cool. So when you bust through the kind of like the there's like little rafters that are kind of holding this thing up wooden rafters you bust through one and you shake the side of the stone wall so hard that actually some rocks do kind of some scree kind of falls down a little bit and you spot that and you grab one of them okay sounds good so i'll have that at the ready beautiful is that my bonus action to find them or can i use a bonus action yet to imbue them as a bonus action no you can totally imbue them no yeah that's fine okay yeah. Sounds good. And uh, I'll just have I'll have one of them out in an outstretched hand if anybody happens to want to grab. A, I don't know if it's glowing or if it's just a rock. Oh, will you tell me what is if you ever done this before? I have never done this before. So I think what it looks like is you running up and smashing into the wall to a discerning eye might look like a mist bonk. <laughs> but to the <laughs> to the average person, the layperson, it looks like you attempted to do this and you kind of look over and spot that there's some scree, some stone that's fallen down from like the cliffside onto this little little ledge. And reaching out, you grab it and you hold them in your hand and something happens. I think, I think they turn metallic. They look very much like my exterior. Uh, rusty red, a little bit rough metallic, and just kind of the, the the exterior completely changes in that sense. It looks very much like me. That's going to bring us to where I put the second member of the future, and I'm going to limit their abilities a little bit. But Crossland, you can decide what they do. Yeah, I think that they're going to try because we're we're on the plaza, right? So there's is there a lip around the edge? No, you like walked away from the okay, plaza, like down the oh, path. Right. You're yep. just entering into like the commons area, but you're standing there, so like the action could easily move out onto the plaza if if things kind of take a turn. I think that they see that we appear to have some form of control, and I think that they try to flag down anyone else who might be of use in this kind of a situation. They see that F is directly engaged. I'm going to refer to my future if there's multiple as F, just for simplicity's sake. So F is directly engaged, so the other future member is going to go run and find anyone else who might might be of assistance, anything else right. that might be of assistance. Beautiful. So there are three of you. One of you is unconscious on the floor right now, mm-hmm. dying possibly. The other one is running to get help while you are engaging the enemy, which is the riskiest stance. So that is definitely not going unnoticed. Uh, right. Walker. It's back to the top of the order. All right. The uh, the one I threw that did hit, is that accessible? Oh, yeah. All right. Rip gonna... it out of there and attack again. Grab it. And then I'm just going to take, uh, yeah, I think I just want to take two swings. First one's a big old miss. It's a four. Second one's a 13. Give me a perception check. This is unrelated to your like success or fail or anything like that. Uh, <laughs> not great. A four. Yeah, you strike in exactly the same way that you did before, and it just hits this time. Like, this time, it's like you, you're able to make that contact. You're just kind of smacking across the chest again. Yeah. You're attacking in a very specific way. Yeah? Okay. Um, with, the, with the one that actually has, like, a broom head on the end that's heavier, I'm, like, bludgeoning, but with the other one, it's mm-hmm. pointy. 
it's a pointy slap. Ah, so, so you, you okay? Gotcha, it's gotcha, a gotcha. Point, so there's it's a little, little, it's a little poking slap. Playing a little game of poking okay. slap. You know, so. Give me that second <laughs> attack roll. Oh wait, you already did. So yeah, the, that was the third. The first one was a miss. Which one was a miss? Pokey. Pokey was a miss, I think. Bludgeon was a was a hit. Or actually, no, I would, I'd probably I think Pokey would be the hit because Bludgeon's heavier, so that's probably my right hand. Gotcha. So I, I hit with the Pokey. Go ahead. Give me that D four plus one. Four. Yeah. Total. So three plus one. Four total. Love it. Okay. Yeah. Inexplicably, you're able to kind of pierce whatever that uh, energy, arcane armament that seems to be kind of coursing over their body kind of falters for a minute. There's just a moment where like the energy in coming off their hands and pulsing off their fists just wanes and you just take that moment to strike and are able to do way more damage than you did before. And just quick question. They came up over the thing, right? Like how far is it water past that? Uh, pretty much, yeah. It's a straight shot down into the water. But like how far? Uh, about 100 feet. Good to know. Good to know. Tackle bad. Got it. Tackle bad. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anything else you'd like to do with your turn? I'll try and position myself to be flanking with uh, the member of the future that is doing some hits. Actually, I probably would have done that first. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't say it, so I didn't. Is that going to be the table rule? Because I was just going to ask. <laughs> it came into my mind, too. I'm like, yeah, I'll say that Walker couldn't because Walker had to position himself to get the stick out of the guy. Okay. And okay. then just two quick hits while I was repositioning, so. Okay, cool. Yeah. We also weren't friends before this, so. Yeah, yeah. We were, we had a, not we, a great repertoire. So. Yeah, right. It was not a good time. <laughs> the future did not have a good time. Yeah, I had a great time. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Next in the order is F. I kind of want to roll an insight check to see if anything changed with the blue stone between, you know, the casting and, and sort of the fire burst. And was was there anything that happened with the blue stone? Or is that, would that be perception? I, I'm not going to make you waste a roll on that because I think, you know, basically exactly what you saw happened, it sputtered for a moment and like that whole like energy shield that was sort of protecting them and the energy that was coming off, like kind of like, waned long enough for Walker to get a, a really, really good hit. And then it kind of like sparked back to life a little bit. Got it, got it. Okay, just for clarification on the assailant, they have a blue stone in one hand and then the glove in the other? Or is it- So they're holding the stone in one hand, just gripping it. Um, and then they're attacking with their left hand. All right, I want to try to steal that stone out of his hand. Okay, all right, this is going to be a what contest. Shit? Sure. So- um, I mean, sleight of hand, right? Unless yeah. you want to force it out in some way. I think a sleight of hand check. Probably sleight of hand. Okay. Actually, this would be a contest. It could be an athletics track because it could be I like I think a, it could be like a, like almost like a grapple. Yeah, I, yeah. I think we'll use your strength because this is definitely not like trying to go unnoticed. Mm -hmm. He's looking directly at you. Right. So we'll do athletics and I will, I will counter with, um, I'm definitely going to go with Dex. <laughs> okay. So it'll, it'll be, um, athletics. Contested by acrobatics. Got it. That is a 12. I rolled a 16. Oh, shit. So you reach down and you grab his hand and it's just a little too quick and you like get a hold of his wrist just barely and he pulls away just in time. All right, with my bonus action, I'm punching him in the face. <laughs> you know so what? I've reached forward. <laughs> I'm going to just try to sock him oh, since he's not letting me take the stone. Uppercut. Yeah, exactly. And that'll be advantage because of the flanking, right? I believe it would. What attack is that as a bonus action? Uh, unarmed strike, still. I have bonus action unarmed strike. 
Ah, very nice. Monks. Love that. <laughs> that's the whole thing monks do is hit like 80 times. Oh, that's a seven. Mm. Damn it. Did you roll an advantage? Thanks. No, I did not. Because I'm flanking with you. Yep. So. <laughs> Nat one. <laughs> Perfect. All right, those dice gotta go. Yeah, those dice gotta go. You hit him square in the face, and it's very much one of those moments where you hit him so hard, it turns his head, and he looks back at you and just goes, <sighs> kind of wiping just the littlest bit of blood off of his lip. You can see that stone is pulsing with energy. And what else you notice, all of you, is that the energy has begun to course in a way where his skin is almost glowing brighter than it was before. It's no longer just a sheen. It's like this energy is coursing like into his veins and through his body. And, and even like the whites of his eyes seem like they're glowing brighter. And you're not really sure if he has any control over what he's doing. Unless you'd like to make uh, take some movement, we're going to move on. No, I think I'll stay where I am to give the flanking advantage. Elanil, you've got your arrow-ish. Yeah, okay. Well, I have the arrow, but I don't have a, a way to shoot this arrow. So I'm going to run up and try to use the back end of the arrow to smack his hand from behind since he got like hit and like pulled away. I figured it was like kind of behind him. So I want to try to like smack it out of his hand. Mm -hmm. Love it. Either that or stabbing his hand. I'm not, I wasn't sure. <laughs> it does have a pointy end. Yeah. I think, okay, so Elanil will run up from behind. Notice that he pulled back his hand when the future was trying to swipe at it. And Elanil will grab his wrist and like stab his hand to make him let go. But I don't want to touch it because that shit looks scary. So <laughs> so I think treat it like a dagger. Looks like you get a plus five to hit for that. Did I allow did I allow Walker to do the same thing? To use it like a javelin? I used an improvised. I was I was reading on him because I was trying to figure out how to use my broom. If the DM decides that it's similar enough to a weapon that has the finesse ability, you can use it as a finesse weapon, which means you could use your dexterity instead of your strength. You just don't get your proficiency modifier. Mm -hmm. I assume you have a high dexterity. Mm -hmm. So if it's similar to a dagger, then yeah. theoretically DM could allow that. I'll make a ruling right here and say that uh, it is similar enough and it's well-constructed. Yes, it's makeshift, but it has a pointy in and you can treat it almost like a dagger. So we'll just let you use a, a plus three on your roll and then a D4 plus three on the damage. It's a five. It's a five. To hit. <laughs> uh, you strike at his hand and unfortunately he does not lose the stone, hangs on to it for dear life. But you're in melee range now, so. Yeah, I think I'm just like right by Walker then, since I'm behind. The four of you have just converged on this individual. Who is going to make another wild attack again? And this time, I need everybody to make a constitution saving throw, please. Eighteen. Nineteen. Seven. I'm proficient okay. in the saving throw, and it's my highest wow. uh, stat, but I rolled a two, so it, it doesn't uh, natural one for a total of five. God. Oh my god. <laughs> Level one, baby. <laughs> Lots of ones. He holds that stone back in his hand, and he's being attacked from all sides, and he just kind of brings his hands in to his side and shouts, stop, and that energy just crackles and courses out in like a sound wave. 
painfully intense piercing and everyone in the crowd basically puts their hands over their ears and it just kind of like begins to tear away at the stone of the ceiling around you. Like the sound is so loud that it cracks some of the stone and more scree falls down. Fodder for you to use for future rounds if you'd like. Walker and Leo, you actually take a bit of damage. Oof, I, I did not look at the spell beforehand, so let's hope this goes well. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> you each take eight points of thunder damage, and everybody who saved takes four. Hefty amount at this level. Oh boy. <laughs> so. And again, in the sense that you feel like he does not have any control over what he's doing and is completely overwhelmed by the situation. Um, next in the order is Leo. So I know I prepared myself with the magic stones, so I will, I will throw my pebble at him. Just like drop it right on his head. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that is a natural 20. What? Beautiful. So I am just a Higher low today. Okay. So the way um, a nat 20 works in D&D is you're going to roll your damage twice and you're going to add your okay. modifier once. So two two dice rolls or roll once and double, double it. Well, no, two dice rolls. The two dice okay. rolls. Oh, yeah. It's Sounds it's good. it's um, statistically better odds of uh, high damage. It is. Yeah. So two d six, uh, five total. Okay, nice. including your. Is there a bonus to it? Yeah, I, I rolled a two and a one plus two. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> Real That's good. Funny. Great stuff. <laughs> hey man, I almost got bodied by eight damage, so level yeah. one is wild. No, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you gave us full HP for uh for level one, because <laughs> you're gonna need it. What does it look like when you toss one of these little pebbles? Like what happens? I think despite not throwing it that hard, there's a way bigger, more solid impact than you would expect from a pebble. <laughs> You might see a, a little bit of a shockwave. I'm actually going to roll a little save here. This guy's like really frazzled. And you hit him with that thing, a little shockwave. And then uh, it sends him kind of hurtling, not off of the platform, but like into the wall and kind of the stone cracks. And so he loses his balance for just a minute. What happens now is whew, scary. I am going to roll a d20. And I have a wild magic surge table. Oh, shit. Oh, my God. Are you really, are you really surging right now? I need everybody to make a dexterity saving throw, please. Ah, oh, shit. Ooh, nice. Oh. 23. 21. 14. 16. Hold on to your butts. It was nice knowing you. Yeah, this is fun. This is a fun little thing we did. I have a max of 10. I just took eight. (laughs) Nobody saw, but I literally grabbed my butt. (laughs) Thank you. Everyone was looking down at the ground, worried about what's going to happen. We're all having an existential crisis, and you're just filling yourself up, but it's fine. (laughs) Over your shoulders, in addition to the commotion and the chaos that's going on around you, you hear voices shouting, Move aside, move aside, let us in, move aside. And you notice, maybe just out of the corner of your eye, two guards coming back with the future. You see them moving through the crowd, shoving people aside, trying to get into the action. This is all happening right at the moment that you hurl an item at this individual and it explodes in a small puff of smoke and a wave of force that sends him hurtling almost over the edge 
of this walkway. And as he turns back around to face you, you can see now that the energy that is pulsing from the stone that he's holding and through his body and erupting out of his glove over the left hand is glowing almost like his eyes are on fire and something happens. He erupts on the spot as if a fireball has just struck him right where he is. And every single person in the vicinity is knocked back and all of you take damage. You fly back into the crowd, singed, dirty. There's stone and rock raining down above you, and the guards step into the picture, shielding themselves from the rocks that are falling down from the ceiling above. And from where they're standing, it very much looks like you just threw something at this man that caused him to explode. And there's nothing but a black scar across the stone pathway, which is hanging by a thread over the open ocean below. Well met, friend, it is I, Mathar, master of dungeons and forgetter of deadlines. Yeah, I'm literally tracking this just like two hours before the episode goes live, so that's fun. I want to take a moment to thank Atomic Pylon Media for having us on the network. I actually met PJ and Crossland through another project I produced called Hell Reaper. We got along so well talking about books and other nerdy shit, it wasn't long before we realized we really like Dungeons and Dragons and we like other D&D actual play shows. We got to talking and of course one thing leads to another and uh, here we are and it's been incredible and I'm really excited to see where it goes and I really don't think I could do it without them. So here's just a little rundown of a couple of the other shows already on the network. Cross and PJ have a show called Words and Whiskey, which is a show about books and uh, drinking. Specifically, they read works of fiction, chapter by chapter, and discuss accordingly. It might sound boring, but I swear it actually works. And speaking of swears, there are a fuck ton, so, you know, be warned and shit. You can check it out at wordsandwhiskey.show or all the social media platforms. HowlerPod is a podcast for all things Red Rising, wherein hosts Ben Reiner and Aaron Ayers dive deep to break down, celebrate, and discuss all aspects of the fantastic Red Rising series by Pierce Brown. Learn more about Ben and Aaron's obsession with the world of Red Rising at HowlerPod.com. There are, of course, more shows on the horizon, and I will be sure to show them some love as they come around. But for now, I send you back from whence you came. Thanks for listening, and enjoy. I do have to ask, did Bits survive? Um, or is Bits fucked? Oh, oh. <laughs> Can't imagine Bits did well. Was it by your side the whole time? Killing the pet in the second session. I, uh, TBD. <laughs> Let me think about that one for a minute. I can rebuild him. Yeah. <laughs> this might be a rebuilding class for you here. <laughs> we, we can rebuild him. Let's get it. Here we go. Let's get it. I've graduated to wine. I'm salty. Let's do it. Yeah, I was getting too burpy from the beer, so I made my favorite cocktail right now. It's called gin. <laughs> it's just gin. <laughs> it's just gin. Well, there's there's an ice cube. <laughs> yeah, I just poured a glass of my favorite spirit, rubbing. <laughs> mm, rubbing. Mm. Mm. Love a good rubbing. <laughs> what kind of alcohol is this? I get hints of rubbing. Um. <laughs> We call it a rubbing sip. <laughs> rubbing sip. Basically, I think I'm just drinking slick. So. Yeah. I imagine slick would be kind of floral, like with yeah. the salt.
It's made from like kelp and seaweed and stuff. There's flowers on those. I'm thinking of like the Mexican salt beers for some reason. That's yeah. what my brain was. Like <laughs> very salty. Like Sure. I'm picturing like salty rum. Ooh, okay. Like if you just dumped salt into rum. <laughs> Interesting. Interesting. I was thinking somewhere like a mix between like mezcal. Mm. Okay. You know, like an agave kind of yeah, spirit. Yeah. Maybe they smoke it a little bit, right? Just to give it more flavor. So it's it's peaty. They try and burn the salt out of it. Yeah. I mean, I, I figure like like seaweed's got to be a little like peat moss to some extent. To mm-hmm. some extent, right? It's yeah. a good call. And we're on, we're in like a Highlands area. It could be scotch. True. Yeah, <laughs> so, it's scotch. Yeah. Scotch. It's scotch. It's Lagavulin. <laughs> <laughs> Drink it by the mugful. Yes. <laughs> Lagavulin by the mugful, baby. <laughs> it's the old days. <laughs> so I, I do have a question regarding the situation we found ourselves in. I have prepared cure wounds. Would I know how to use it? I don't think the question is whether or not you'd know how to use it, but would you try? That, that's what I was asking if the, uh, if the future was still alive. The one that was unconscious, because I'd try to I'd try to revive them if I knew, first of all, how to use cure wounds, and second of all, if any they were still alive. I think of it like this: regardless of whatever latent abilities are showing themselves, you see someone who is injured, and you just saw someone explode. <laughs> explode. Is Leo the type of person who would immediately check? Yeah, I think so, especially with the time spent with. LV deteriorating. I think I'd absolutely check. Oh, that's really sad. Uh, give me a medicine check. All right. Uh, medicine. Let's see. I love that we're just in the session now. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah I was like, oh shit. No, we're going. 11. You flip him over and he looks a lot like the person standing or just kind of pulling themselves up nearby. They're difficult to tell apart. You're not sure if this is the one that originally went down or the one that was standing nearby. It it takes a minute for you to really like parse that. You can flip him over in your arms and check for a pulse, a heartbeat, and there doesn't seem to be much going on. But from the exterior, maybe it's okay to hold on to hope that there might be some part of them that is just clinging to life. I mean, I would try to do something. You've cared for somebody elderly for a while. You know how to check for vital signs. You know how to look after their wellness for the most part. What do you think makes sense for Leo? I think I think something like CPR would make sense. If I'm not feeling much of a pulse at all, I'd probably jump into something like that. And I don't know, maybe something electrical comes through my hands. Go ahead and cast your wounds. 1d8 plus 2... Five points of healing. Gingerly at first, because you don't want to apply too much force, you're much bigger than this person. You feel like a sensation in your hands. It's not entirely dissimilar to the sensation you felt when you held the stones and they sort of transmogrified into something more. And that power leaves your hands and enters their body. And just when you've given up, the color begins to return to their face. And as their vision comes into focus, they see this automaton staring down into their eyes. And as they slide their cloth down from their mouth, they say, kind sees. And we know. I mean, if I'm near anything, I'll just kind of prop them up. So they're kind of slumped over, leaning against something instead of just straight back. And by now, other people have come to try to like help however they can. I want to ensure that I witnessed exactly what happened because of reasons you did okay so i did just naturally mm-hmm. okay 
include like the electric pulse and everything like that? Do I have an under? Can I can I roll to understand? Uh, that is a good question. Is there any kind of like physical indication of your power, or is it a sensation only? I would say maybe a glow in the eyes, something external a little bit, but subtle. F, you are gathering your wits and trying to piece together what happened because it all happens so fast. And kind of in, in a daze, as your vision and your hearing are returning, you look over and you see this creature just pumping their hands on the chest of one of your siblings. Well, I don't, we don't know their gender, but like they are just lying there lifeless and you see them breathe another breath and, and speak something softly. And maybe you don't make it out, but there's just a moment where you sense something pass between the two of them and you see that glimmer in the automaton's eyes. You had every reason to think that this member of your family was dead. And yet, here they are. What would you like to do? I'm already suspicious. I've been trained to not trust the automaton specifically over the course of generations because it is a form that we don't necessarily have full understanding of. However, that's not necessarily understood outside of the Institute of the Future at the moment. And so I'm immediately, I immediately rush to his side and get kind of between the two of them, just making sure that nothing else could happen. There was only a moment when the future spoke and then without even putting their cloth over their face, just kind of collapsed back and you rush in and see that they're still alive, they're breathing and Leo just kind of hands the body over to you. I pull up the cloth, as is such when you're sleeping. You sleep with the cloth on. That cloth has to smell like death in the morning. (laughs) (laughs) That cloth stanky, dude. (laughs) Elenil, you've collapsed into a crowd of people looking around. You see that there are several people that are not moving. They're not breathing. Bits of stone and wall have been torn away. You can see just beyond the lip of where the commons ends and that path that extends out to the plaza begins. You can see it's just hanging on. Most of the stone is broken away and there's a large black stain where moments before stood that assassin. And so as you're kind of collecting yourself, you're kind of bruised and you're bloodied and you're picking yourself up. Are you worried that anybody's going to recognize you? Uh, Not at this point. I think I'd be super just devastated if something like this hasn't really happened. Seeing just a bunch of people that I've seen around town dead would probably shake me up a lot. And I'd probably start tearing up a little bit, confused, looking around, like, what is going on? I didn't even know magic was a thing. So it's very shocking to see. And I'm analyzing these people around me. So in their faces, you see confusion, horror as they're realizing the same things, their friends, their loved ones. This is akin to some sort of terrorist attack, in essence. It's not only is this kind of arcane power unknown to these people, but any kind of violence in their community is just unheard of. It's hard to believe that this sort of chaos could brew inside this community um, and happen right in front of you. You see now that the guards that were pushing their way through the crowd are standing, surveying the wreckage and the chaos. And and after just kind of taking a quick assessment of who's hurt and, and what's happening, you see one of them point at the forged and gesture, and the other one moves in to kind of grab him. Walker, same situation. You're pulling yourself up, 
collecting your bearings, trying to get a sense of what's going on. I'd like to think that pretty immediately at this point, it, it went from a fun night to a crazy thing that was happening to an actual fight. And I think that at that point, kind of the training starts to take over to a certain degree. Mm -hmm. So it wouldn't be more than a second after hitting the ground, being that close to unconsciousness that uh, Walker would start to focus his breathing and call on technique that he was trained to do his entire life in a situation of dire straits. And I'm going to use my feature second wind, okay. which uh, is a bonus action to regain 1d10 plus one health. It's a fighter trait. Love it. So I'm going to regain six health and immediately would um, do something that some might consider... Well, actually, I guess I should ask you in this world. My heritage gives me the ability to cast at first level fog cloud once per long rest. I don't think that um, my people would see that as magic. It's just an inherent communion with the sea to bring in the fog, if that makes sense. It does make sense. And I think, yeah. you know, that innate ability is something that among your people is, you know, at least understood. But here, you you would not use it normally in front of anyone here just because yeah. you would know that anything that's metaphysical... Or, exactly. You know, there's a lot of superstition. So it's not something you would have ever, you or any of your kin would ever have used openly in front of people. Yeah. So I think um, the plan would be to like bring in that fog, hoping that it seems natural enough to obscure me and then try and kind of roll across the edge and start making my way down along the side. Does the fog give you any specific abilities or is there, what is the effect of it? Uh, let me pull up the actual spell. Heavily obscured. So it obscures me from vision. So you could basically roll with advantage, I guess, or or is it just implied? Yeah, I would say stealth with advantage would make sense. Yeah. Okay, cool. So stealth advantage. Thank God for advantage. Please be better. Much better. Uh, so that's a 17. First one was a natural one, so. Ooh, nice. You feel a strong hand on your shoulder, Leo, and you hear a voice that says, that's enough. Don't make any sudden moves. And you hear the cock of a crossbow. I'll slowly raise my hands. Stand up. Put your hands behind your head. Okay, we don't know. We, the future, don't know what happened. Brother... I need you to tell them, give, give us just a second, just, a, just a, a moment before we arrest this thing, because the thing helped. I'm going to pull back up my cloth really quickly. And, and the other waits for you to pull up your cloth and then pulls theirs down and says, brother, kind of sees, but we know. What's best for everyone is answers. And answers are not to be had in the midst of this. Healing is to be done. Decisions are to be made. And this one is an uncertainty. And unfortunately, so are you. And he kind of turns and looks at the guards and nods his head. And they reach for you as well. Leo, there's a guard standing with a crossbow aimed squarely at your face. You've got your hands behind your head. And the other one turns to apprehend. F. And before putting their cloth up, gestures nearby toward the woman, the elven woman who's lying in the rubble and says, that one. And there was a fourth. Find them. They all must go in for questioning. We have to get to the bottom of what happened here. Wait, wait. None of, none of us had anything to do with this. We were trying to save everybody here. Why are we being apprehended? 
the guard walking towards you ignores your pleas and they're also holding like a hand crossbow. Everybody's got a hand crossbows. They're the only members of the community that ever carry a weapon and they rarely, if ever, show it. So the act of having this weapon exposed and holding it toward you is something nobody here has ever really seen. It means that they're extremely serious about what's about to happen and they just keep walking towards you. I'm definitely going to like back away, kind of like swish my hands around, like, wait, stop, like, please. And then I'll say, wait, wait, if if anybody's going to be apprehended, please let the tall forged being go. They healed one of your members that was going to die. Why would you take them in? Why would you question them? They kind of turn back towards you and say, child, please, this isn't easy for anyone. And no one, no one else is going to be hurt. Believe me. But we have questions, and Kana must know what happened here. And the guards begin to walk you away, except F, do you go quietly or do you resist? I absolutely resist. Not only do I resist, but I... I... Having been suddenly feeling separated from this organization that I've known forever by being singled out as an individual, I freak out and I say that I saw, I saw what happened. The future lowers a cloth and says, we must be silent. No. We must be dutiful. I know what happened. We must have answers. I breathe, just kind of bow my head, put my hands behind my back. We must prove our valor. I proved the valor. You left. Walker, how long do you wait? Do you immediately go searching for it? Do you take advantage of the fog? No, I think Walker would take their time, try and kind of wait for the search for them to fan out from the area. Try and mm-hmm. stay closer to the area than they think they'd be expected to and mm-hmm. disguise themselves however they can, things like that, before making their way back up. But they would give it some time. They would wait for the search to disperse from the area a little bit. We'll say that roughly an hour later after the rest of the party is gone, you hear someone saying like, did they say it fins or gills? Yeah, it was a trident. Oh, God. Well, who's going to have the job of opening some sort of communication with them because we're going to have to... There's going to be extradition to deal with and good lord, it's such a fucking mess. Yeah, it's not our problem. We did our job. Let's move on. And it grows a little quiet and the only thing you hear is the din of common folk who are cleaning up the mess and you feel like you've got a little bit of an opening to search nearby. Yeah, around then I would probably try and sneak my way back up and just search that general area and if I don't find it quickly, I'll probably go start searching the water in case it went over the edge if I can make my way down there without being seen. So Yeah, you've got a choice. So you're, you're going to start by searching here on the in the commons first? Yeah, just but just in the general area. Like, I'm not going to take my time. I'm not going to risk it too much. Roll investigation. By the way, this is so fucking uh, cool. That is an 18 plus one. <laughs> that is a 19. Um, roll a... Give me a d6. D6. A three. You find three shards of some sort of mineral or stone. 
it feels almost crystalline in nature. It's almost like glass, but it's got this very pure, like aquamarine color to it. I'm going to kind of tuck those into whatever sort of small pouch I carry on me for coins and such. Mm-hmm. And uh, start walking towards the open, basically turning myself in. You walk down the center of the commons toward where there's a, a town hall, effectively, and uh, several other municipal buildings. And before you even take 10 steps into that clearing, immediately they spot you and, and they're on high alert for any tritons. And so you hear kind of a... I'll slowly take uh, like a single knee and put my arms up behind my head, but in a way where like, it's not both knees, it's one knee to kind of give like, I don't know, a, a bit of a power shift from the situation. It's a bit more of like a, it feels like a more in control stance. Whoa. Listen, I, I heard about what happened and believe me, I have no interest in quarreling with you. I know you people. Well, in fact, I uh, just got a job to do. I'm here because I want to be. And I, for one, I'm glad for that. You can stand up now. He'll stand, and he'll still kind of keep his hands behind his head, trying to be unthreatening. He's gestured to another guard who comes in, says, listen, we just got to take you in. It's questioning. That's all. Hopefully I have some answers. Amen to that, brother. (laughs) 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 So we're going to flash forward to a small, nondescript room carved out of the cliff face. Uh, If you've ever spent any time in the burrows, they're kind of all the same. They're these square rooms just carved out of stone face. That's it. So the four of you are placed in this nondescript room uh, where there's a table and four chairs, five chairs, four on one side, one on the other, clearly waiting for someone to come and tell you what happens next. There are guards placed outside. You can hear them through the door and you probably saw them coming in. Members of the scouts who patrol the city, they are placed on watch here. And you're all left in here together. You're not sure why. And I'd say all of you feel different than you did the day before. Something about that that either terrified or or thrilled you, whatever the case may be, you have plenty of time to sit here and kind of replay the events and the things that you witnessed. And also, to get to know one another if you so choose. I am curious, just from the world that you've crafted, would I be aware of the animosity that the future holds towards me? It's probably sugar-coated to some extent. Okay. Alvy's aware, but... Yeah, I think Alvy's pretty, like, maybe sugar-coated to some extent is like, you know, people out there... Like, maybe you have a flashback where it's just you and Alvy and you're sitting and talking and maybe you're wondering why you can't go with him when he goes to the plaza to talk to people about the church's new exhibits and things. And he would have said something like, they're just not ready. It's just not time. They'll, they'll come around. But your kind, historically, there's, you know, misgivings and uncertainty and it's hard to explain. One of these days, you will find your place here in the community. Trust me, you just got to give it time. Is Alvy from Jersey? <laughs> yeah, he's kind of from... I don't know if that's what I did last time, but I sort of felt like maybe no, that's his I thing. I think you might have. I think so. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, 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 we'll check My it. boy, my boy, my boy, come in. Right. He's going to make you a robot you can't refuse. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. 
So the future is going to just take a moment and like try to internalize a lot of this and kind of it, it might appear outside like they're meditating, but they're actually not following any of the normal meditation practices. They're like frustrated and trying to like sit there and focus, but can't maybe even like rhythmically hitting the ground and like upset. But like no one knows that that's not a part of what the future is because they're not a part of the future. I think Walker will grab one of the four chairs at the table that's set up on that side and then the chair that's on the other side as well and drag them into a corner of the room and kind of set up a little makeshift bed. Nice. And just kind of like lounge in it and while kind of lounging and like trying to kind of nod off and a not very comfortable situation, but somewhere where I can kick my feet up at least. Uh, I'll look over to the future and just say, um, you know, it's a, it's a shame you're part of a collective because individually you're going to kick ass. Seems like a, their average might be bringing you down a little, buddy. I think we're all pretty good. I'm kind of cringing and very, not at you, but like seething with ideas and like the world has changed in at least a microcosm of a way that I've been separated. I don't know how much of that Walker is picking up on, but at least a little bit. And there's definitely like a, the whole time he's saying this, it's like a shit eating grin that kind of knows it's poking a tender spot whenever he says this, you know. Did you know what was going on? Did you know anything about that? That? Oh. All I know is every time I come up here, shit surprises me. I found this, though, and I'll pull out the um, shards, and I'll just kind of, like, toss them across the floor in, in your guys' general direction. And I, like, skitter away on the ground. I don't think they're much of anything anymore. I would be very interested in examining these. If anybody knows what the fuck that is, I sure would like to. I... Do not, but we have something very, very similar at the church, and we've been trying to figure out what it was since since I came to be. Since I woke up, we've had this, have never been able to figure out what it was. Seems like whoever that was did. Abomination, can you describe what the other thing is that you have in the church? Can you give, can you give me more detail? I'm sorry, I'm new to talking. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, hi, I'm Leo. I'm going to call you A-bomb. Okay. Excuse me, um, abomination. I know you're new to talking and everything, but that's a negative connotation. And this being is part of a church of the second wave. They are a good thing. (laughs) (laughs) Is Is it really a church or is it a museum? I can't. I can't, I haven't we been, can be both. I don't go, obviously, but, you know, I hear things. <laughs> oh, well, maybe you should gather the facts before you jump in there, F2. Uh, are you F2 or are you F3? Which, uh, what? Which are, <laughs> <laughs> I, I am the future. We are the future. We, I, they, we are the future. Uh, are you short-circuiting? I thought that would be his thing. Not <laughs> 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 over towards Leo. <laughs> I'm sorry, Leo. I'll try better. We'll try better. Also, you, you, you're the reason that all of this happened, though. How is that? Good night. True. <laughs> just, just kidding. I can't leave. <laughs> I, <laughs> I saw this happen the same as you guys did. No, I'm not saying the day, the day isn't your fault. It's everything else that's your fault. <laughs> oh, my God. Walker's loving this. I, I walk up to Leo and I put my hand on their shoulder and I say, it's okay. You did 
so many good things today. And I look at F with like daggers in my eyes. <laughs> and then I look at Walker and I say, and you just think you're such a funny guy, huh? I wish I was. Oh, you're not talking to me. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah. I look daggers <laughs> glare yeah, yeah. at you, F. And then <laughs> daggers shift <laughs> to Walker. I I cover I cover my my shitty grin with a little flap of seaweed that's on kind of the cross body uh, sash that I wear. And then I pull it down with a very serious face now and I go, we think we are funny. <laughs> and then I put it back. <laughs> I don't even know what that's for. (laughs) (laughs) Seems like it's for making things a lot more difficult than they need to be. (laughs) I feel like that's an indictment of me. Holy shit. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, that's Walker. Josh loves it. (laughs) (laughs) Walker just thinks all this shit. Thinly veiled, like, insults at the DM. No, I fucking love oh. it. I just know Walker would. <laughs> Walker, yeah. There's a reason Walker doesn't do well down there where everyone's very, like, serious and stuck up. <laughs> so. When people blow up like that, is it typical for other people to get arrested for it? Are, what, are you talking about me blowing up emotionally right now, or? <laughs> no, no, the, the dude before. <laughs> oh, 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 fuck. Yeah, that guy. I need to... Shut up. So you understand expressions, but not how to talk. <laughs> I'm an active listener. <laughs> Interesting. I think it's like when you learn a foreign language, you learn the connotation, but not. <laughs> yeah. I like how we have at least two people that are really shitty at communicating <laughs> in this. Yeah. Three, if you want the communication to actually mean something. <laughs> All right. So the dude, the thing, whatever happened... Did you guys know anything about that? Nope. Mm-mm. I've never seen anything like that in my life, actually. New to me. I wasn't even supposed to be up here. Hmm. So you uh, seem to have some sort of uh, big speech beforehand. You and your friends. He seemed pretty interested in all of you. Didn't he say something about the lies of the future? Well, there's a problem here because the future is both a term an organization, an identity, a religion, and a concept. I think he was talking about us, though. Like, probably, probably talking about us. You're right. My bad. Uh, we are liars. We're, we're really deeply connected with Kana and the future in the nebulous sense. And I don't understand why someone would come after us like that or what basis they would have to do so. Except for maybe the only one that makes any sense to me that would do something like that is the robot in the the thing in the room, the big one, that one. But he didn't and he helped. So my worldview is rapidly warping in case we can't tell how I'm breaking down. (laughs) I just puke in the corner. Oh, God. (laughs) You were like... (laughs) You're like the rural right-wing kid who's just learning about late-stage capitalism. You're like, wait, what? (laughs) What? (laughs) Critical race theory isn't a thing. (laughs) Well, I can tell you right now, up here, down there, I've never seen anything like that. 
and uh, your people to us are more of a um, liability than a threat. Did you not see me punch the guy? We all do that. If I had my weapons and not just some sticks, things would have been a little bit different. And that's just one. We train as a unit. We train everyone for eventualities like this, but we never really expected something of this magnitude. That's one guy. That's okay. But where there's one, there's more. I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I'm a big fan of a lot of them down there, but I don't want anyone blowing up. That's just... I can talk to fish, and that's weird. (laughs) And I pull out two apples out of my pocket and offer them to the room. And I'm like, are you hungry? Well, you're eating for like three, so you you might need those. (laughs) Is that how it works? Is it a collective appetite as well? or Um, I wouldn't know how that would work, but... Do you all shit at the same time, or... (laughs) Okay. <laughs> <Sorry. laughs> the future so, F is so awkward it hurts and like the, it's funny as Crossland is not like that at all like you're playing this character to perfection I'm I am sorry. cringing I'm sorry. so hard holy shit <laughs> like oh it's so good at this point in time you hear the turning of the lock in the door the only way in or out of this room and the light that spills into the room when the door creaks open illuminates a figure. Tall, broad shoulders, lean. And as they come into the light of the room, you see what looks to be a very stately individual wearing a long trench coat, a very high collar, a dark tunic underneath the coat and slacks. You hear the click of their heels as they come into the light. You see their face. Spectacled eyes sit upon a broad ridge, and four tentacles hang down like whiskers from around their mouth. And the Illithid says, So sorry. Did I interrupt something? Mathar de Leon as the DM, PJ Heller as Leo Feldman, Leslie Ray as Ellen Elvalen, Joshua Ramsey as Walker Omeron, and Crossland Shaw as F, also known as The Future. The show is a production of Atomic Pylon Media. Our intro theme was composed by Mathar, and the track you're hearing right now is Gonna Get You by Chameleon Glade. The episode was mixed by Jeremy Tuttle and was edited by Crossland Shaw. Our cover art was illustrated by the incredible Leslie Ray. With all the chaos of finally launching the show, we didn't have a chance to stream this one early on Discord, but we'll absolutely be doing more of that in the future. So that's something you can get on board with. You can pull up the show notes and find a link to join that community there. You can support the show by following at Catacomb Party on Instagram and Twitter and on your favorite podcast platform so that you never miss an episode. You can also leave us a five-star review on Apple, which helps a ton with reaching more listeners like yourself. You can send all your hot takes about the show to team at catacombparty.com, where they will be summarily fretted over for many days to come. That's it for the party this week, but stay tuned because we also tracked a bonus roundtable chat that we're calling Talk Talk. I know, it's very cute. It's a chance to get to know both the cast and the world of Kana a little better and gives us a chance to clear up some loose ends while we're at it. 
That bonus episode should hit the feed in the next few days, but don't quote me on that because it's going to happen when it happens, right? We're dropping new episodes every other week, so be sure to listen for parts three and four of this adventure on Wednesday, June 22nd. The fuck? What? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what that is. A mind flare. Oh, okay. I didn't know it was called yeah. that. <laughs> it's a mind fuck? flare, yeah. I know it's it's <laughs> Definitely leaving an I don't know what that is in this <laughs> 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 episode. <laughs> what? Uh, what? <laughs> Telephone call me. <laughs>